The doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear. Let us pray. Holy God, I pray that you will walk into those places in our life that are filled with fear and that by hearing you say, peace be with you, we will trust your spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, happy Easter again. I'm going to keep saying it for 50 days. Happy Easter. When I greet you at the church that way, I'm not confused. It is 50 days long, and it is such a big deal in the church. I was doing a funeral uh, yesterday, and I described it as a tidal wave that just washes over us. It's that big. It's that important. And so I invite you to let Easter wash over you these 50 days. Um, Let it heal you. Let it change you. Let it transform you. So we know that Easter is a big deal, that it's full of joy. We see the flowers, the baskets, everything about Easter speaks of spring. But I'm here to remind you that before Easter was good news, it was bad news. And it was scary. And the disciples didn't know what was happening. And so before we get too far along in that Easter story, I want us to go into that gap that place where the good news seems to have happened, it seems to have been proclaimed, but we're not there yet. We're wondering what this actually means for our lives. And so if you will walk with me through this story again, but before we get too enthusiastic, I'd like you to look at that place of fear for the disciples, and then I'd like you to look at those places of fear in your own life that may keep you from doing what God has intended to do. So, Leading up, if you see our gospel reading for today, right at the beginning, we see what? The disciples are locked in that room for fear. And it says of the Jews, let me disarm that. It is the Jewish leaders who are trying to arrest them because they're followers of Jesus. If we in the Christian church don't disarm some of those comments about Jews, we can do big harm. There are particular Jewish leaders who are trying to do them harm. And so they are locked in that room. And I want you to think about why that makes perfect sense. This is not a lack of faith. They're not doing anything wrong. Look at all that has transpired. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. And as he gave them the words and the water of life, he called them into super hard things, like going two by two into the world without him to do healing, to do teaching, to drive out demons, it must have been terrifying. And so they have walked with him faithfully every step of the way with the understanding that he is the Messiah, that he's the son of God, and that God is about to usher in a whole new kingdom. And then, Holy Week, what? That is not the plan. He is not to be betrayed. He's not to be arrested, tortured, killed on a cross. Make no mistake, Rome, which was actually very orderly in many ways, they ruled through fear. And so the cross was that symbol that if you step out of line, if you threaten the worldly power, you can die in this way. Obviously in a way of agony, but also a way of shame right there at the curbside as people walk by. It was horrific. And their Lord and their Savior has been killed this way, and he's been buried in a tomb. Everything is scrambled. Obviously, Peter, not knowing what's going on, denies that he even knew Jesus because he now knows that his life is at risk. And so for three times, 
Peter denies Jesus. And later in one of the other Gospels, we have a nice breakfast by the lake where Jesus forgives Peter in a very special way. But that hasn't happened yet. This is John. And in John, all they know is that he's died. They've waited for the the, uh, Sabbath to end. And then Mary comes with the most unusual story. His body is missing. Friends, if there was fear before, now there's a whole new kind of fear. Where is he? What have they done with him? And so the disciples run. They sprint to the tomb. They see that it is indeed empty. But what do the male disciples do? They walk away, perplexed. And they probably go back to that room where they were hiding. It was Mary, the one who stayed at the cross, the one who stayed at the tomb, who looked in and perceived the angels and then looked around and perceived Jesus. It was to Mary that Jesus came. And she was moved with joy and awe and fear and ran to tell the disciples. But we learn in other gospels they considered it an idle tale. So there we are. That's actually what happened. And so Easter morning comes and we pull out all the stops and we do all the celebration. But the fact is, the beginning of Easter is fear. And it wasn't until that night that things began to change. But before we get to that, I now want you to think about and acknowledge those places in your own life where you are behind locked doors, where you are afraid. It might be sending your kids to school in an era of mass shootings. It might be living in a home where there is anger and sadness and violence around you. It might be fear of aging, diagnoses. Whatever it is, you know that place for you that is the vulnerable place, that is the place of fear. And I want you to just get in touch with that for just a minute before we move on. Because it is only if the church is useful, as Chris said in his Easter sermon last week, that any of this makes sense. And so if you know that place of fear, if you know that place of uncertainty, whatever it is for you, and you acknowledge it, and then into the midst of that, Jesus walks in. The resurrected Jesus. The Jesus of light. The Jesus of transformed body. The Jesus in whom God kept his promise to make the whole creation new, that Jesus can walk into those places in your life where you are so afraid. When Jesus did that, when Jesus entered the room, the first words out of his mouth were, peace be with you. Now, this could mean a lot of things because that's actually how you greet people in that era, Shalom, peace be with you. So it could have just meant hi. It could have been, don't be afraid, which the angels and God seem to say a lot. Or it could have even been, don't exact revenge on the people who have done this. Peace be with you. All these different meanings. And whatever that meant to the disciples, they got it. They, like Mary, perceived the risen Christ in their midst and they rejoiced. Their hearts opened up. And if that was the end of the story, it'd be a great story. It doesn't stop there. So as they are glad and as they are rejoicing, Jesus says it a second time. And in the Bible, when you hear something a second time, 
It means pay attention. This really matters. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. And I suggest to you that on that second offering of peace, they got scared again. Why? Why is he repeating this? What's he about to ask of us? We just got reunited. We just got safe again. We just see that he's alive. Peace be with you. And then he answers their question. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Now they're really scared. Think about it. As the Father sent me, you see what happened to me? So I send you. And guess what? That's exactly what he meant. If you look at the lives of the disciples, they suffered similar fates to Jesus. But here's the deal. It was in that moment, in that second calling, in that second peace, into the place of their deepest fear, which is death. Because if we're honest, that's what scares us the most. He calls him into that fear of death and says, I will give you what you need to transcend that place of fear. I will give you the Holy Spirit to teach you, to lead you, to bridge you, and ultimately to bring you to me. A whole lot of faith and conversion is happening in that moment. They have a decision to make. They can either walk away from this second utterance of peace and say, I did it once. I'm not doing it again. Or they can step in and realize that Jesus not only comforts them in their fear, but calls them, calls them out, calls them to act, calls them to be. And we know that all the disciples in that room accepted the challenge. In a sense, they accepted their mission to go out with Christ's Holy Spirit. And he breathes on them and he fills them with his spirit. And then he says a line, which is interesting. If you forgive anyone, their sins are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And that's something that the church has often used to show kind of the authority of the church. But I actually think it means this. That they are free to not be victims when they are killed by the world. That they are set free. If you forgive them, they are forgiven. If you retain their sins, they're retained. In other words, there's nothing the world can do to you to hurt you because you have all the authority in my name to forgive or to retain. And from this story, we know that the, the disciples go out in remarkable power. Friends, it was a huge change for Peter to go from denying him to then standing in the marketplace proclaiming the cross and the resurrection without fear and thousands were baptized that day. Peter did not do that in his own power. Peter did that in the power of God who said, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take your brokenness. I'm going to take your unfaithfulness. I'm going to take your fear. I'm going to take everything about you that makes you human. And I am going to send you out in my name. And that's our invitation. To let God take us as we are. Do not get all cleaned up. Be yourself. You know the places where you are strong and weak. You know your places of fear and strength. Let God hold you and then call you and send you out for a particular purpose. Because I absolutely believe that by virtue of your baptism, you are gifted to make a difference in this world. I do not know what it is for each of you, but some of you know. You know what God is calling you to do, but you're not sure you want to do it. And so the invitation today is to, in a sense, be where you are, 
but don't stay there. Let God move you into that call, that gospel call. And it may be explicitly religious, or it may be a way of life. It may be confidence. It may be kindness. It may be patience. Or it may be proclamation of the gospel. I became a minister because a pastor, when I was five years old, said, I think you would make a great pastor someday. So you adults who have kids around you, call Look at the gifts that your children have and call them into who they're meant to be. That's what the Easter season will be from this point, is that increasing sense of courage, that increasing sense of strength, that increasing sense of call, not for your own sake, but for the sake of this community and for this church and for the world. It's really good news. Happy Easter. Amen.